Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for women and some cool dudes going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins, and your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a missionary, and risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are a supporter of people and their dreams. If you stumble into the casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, we're so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in, and make yourself at home. Welcome back to the second year of Casa de Confidence podcast with your host with the most, Julie 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 Collins, Collins. (laughs) (laughs) and me, Daniel Cito, the submissive and subservient sidekick. Oh my God. Hashtag handsome hot husband. Why you got to do that? You know, I got to know my role and I got to just serve it. You're the boss of me more than I would like. Uh, so you know you have a role i do yeah boss of me even though i don't sometimes like it let me see your tootsie roll tootsie roll wait a minute did i just sing tootsie roll to the tune of my sharona yeah because you're old you're you're messing it up i'm mixing up my pop culture because you're getting old hey julie what are you drinking today i'm drinking coffee what are you drinking? I am drinking the best coffee. You know what? Before Julie and I became an item, because we're an item and stuff. We are an item. I drank my coffee with tons of sugar and heavy, heavy cream. It was basically coffee milk with sugar in it. But not the good coffee milk you get from Rhode Island. Like and like and share if you know what coffee milk is, first of all. And, okay. and tell the world what coffee milk is okay. if you are a Rhode Island native or know of it. But anyway, now I drink my coffee black. Hmm. Cheers to you that. Cheers to me. It's so good just to be able to Cheers. taste the coffee. When you have oh, good coffee, you can just taste good. it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yum, yum, yum. Um, so I have yummy. to say, I and listen, I did, I did yuck that you drank a sugar in your coffee with cream. I was yucking the cream part because I don't, not for me. I mean, sometimes maybe I'll have a cappuccino there and there, but I used to also drink my coffee with sugar, a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. And one day I found myself, I, I, you know how you have these moments that you know exactly where you are. I was traveling for work. I was actually at the Marriott Courtyard Hotel at JFK Airport <clears throat> in Brooklyn. Well, it's Queens, Brooklyn. That It's a straddling the line where that right. hotel is. And I ordered a large coffee, always black. Um, and I was putting sugar in my coffee. And I was at the little sugar bar. And all they had is the packets. And I was opening packet after packet after packet because it was a venti. It's a Starbucks in there, and it was a venti. And I looked at the pile of packets of sugar. And, okay, to be fair, one packet of sugar is not a whole teaspoon. Just saying. 
However, I just realized that I, if I had to picture and I wanted to be healthy and I always justified and said, oh, this is my own little treat. I eat salads. I eat healthy. I do this, blah, blah. If I can just have coffee, sugar in my coffee is the only thing. And I only have one coffee a day. And then I thought, no, it's got to stop. So it's when I cold turkey decided to do that in the same way in 2004 no 2006 is when i decided that i didn't drink soda anymore and i just stopped cold turkey i drink uh sparkling bubbly water once in a while if i'm sick i will take a ginger ale but uh soda is not my friend yeah soda used to be my thing too i rarely drink soda anymore although i did have a wonderful soda yesterday salvadorian uh at the salvadorian restaurant and i had what cola champagne cola champagne cola champagne yes we were at parkville market in hashtag hartford has it connecticut (laughs) (laughs) oh my god parkville market has so much great food if you're in the hartford area go check it out they did such a great job at compiling all of the best regional um foods from all ethnic backgrounds so you can have brazilian peruvian i know we've talked about it maybe parkville market needs to Mm -hmm. sponsor the podcast what do you think well maybe they do maybe they do so (laughs) anyhow daniel yes it is mother's day it is mother's day and the dogs told me happy mother's day because they think that i'm a mom oh julie happy puppy doggy mommy day for you oh for the love (laughs) dan told me yesterday that he was happy that he didn't have to stress about getting a gift on this holiday because all other holidays and birthdays and anniversaries because I am an orphan. Oh, my God. He's an orphan. For the love of God, you're not an orphan. Well, you, we still have to think about your mom, obviously. Well, obviously, my mom loves you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think she and likes you more her. than she likes me. Well, I love her, too. <laughs> She's wonderful. Speaking of my mom, she was she made her Facebook Live debut yesterday. Oh, that's amazing. I found it. So she sends me a message letting me know that she was going to be on this Facebook Live. And Dan and I were actually driving to the uh, Parkville Market. And she um, texted me. She said, my live is starting. And I was like, oh, crud, I forgot about that. And I was looking for it, but we couldn't find it. Well, one, because the lady who was interviewing my mom was doing the live on StreamYard, and also I am not friends with her on Facebook. Well, I wasn't. She finally friended me because I had sent her a friend request. But if you want to check out my mama, you can check her out at the If I Can and You Can show, which is on Facebook, and the woman's name is Deborah Filbert, and she is the president of Joy Hearts, Inc., and she is the CEO of Diva Solutions. It's, it's amazing. Um, so I caught the interview. She also has a Roku channel. We need to investigate about having a Roku channel, Daniel. Wow. That sounds like an idea that somebody had just yesterday. 
<laughs> okay, so you brought it up. You put it in my brain. <laughs> I did put it in your brain. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But um, I get to see my mama. I haven't seen her in a year and a half, so I'm super excited yeah, for that. Yeah, Angela's going to see her next week. I'm going to see my nephew and my sister in the ATL. And Dan gets another bachelor week. Boom. Huh. I need to I need to like go with you at some point. But Maybe I work need to is not uh it's hard to work. No, it's no. My, it's not like my work saying you can't go. Right. We just know how much work has to be done, and I don't feel right going at this point in time. Yeah. And that's kind of it's it's well, uh maybe my mama will come to visit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, work can't like ban you from going someplace. Mm. Well, some people can be in a work situation where their employer is really horrible. I'm not. Oh. I have a good employer. Mm -hmm. And anyway, um, so but, what's on your mind today, Dan? What's on my mind today? Well, you know what? Mm. I just got list done listening yes. to our guests. You did? Yes. And what did you think? Well, Tracy Kessler, she ticks a lot of boxes in my brain. You know, she talks about God in her in her um, her voyage as a human on this earth, and w what she's had to do in her life to give up and to let God take control in certain times of her life. Um, she speaks about addiction, and to know that there is not a cure; it's a lifelong thing that you have to. That you have to deal with. Tracy was very open, and I appreciate um, the conversation because I think that the more that we normalize that we go through these difficult and challenging things in life, the more that other people don't feel alone. Uh, did you know that May is actually Mental Health Month? I am. Yes, actually, I did know that. Mm. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, in, in, in one of the things that... Um, I talk a little bit about in, in, in the email that announces the podcast is that in the month of February, I was actually feeling really mm, depressed. And it, it, from time to time in the month of, well, with the winter months, I have tended to um, really feel that uh, seasonal affective disorder and being home, not going anywhere. You weren't home. And really feeling disconnected really um, started affecting me. And I stopped doing some of the things that are important to me that I know that help me feel and better and function better. I knew that I needed help and I started to reach out and really reconnect. And I did this way before this month. Um, I needed to do some of the inner work. Um, Tracy is actually someone that I found on TikTok a couple months ago when I was feeling really disconnected and I was feeling really the oppression of the, you know, and, and the depression of just, you know, the, the seasonal affective disorder. Um, I found her, I was, I couldn't sleep because that's typically what happens when you're depressed is you can't sleep. And I found her on TikTok because I was up in the middle of the night and I decided I'm going to scroll TikTok because you know, why not? I was buffering, right? And uh, I found her and, and I had to stop and I binged on a lot of her content and everything that she was talking about um, is, you know, it, it really 
resonated with me. First of all, she lives at the beach. <laughs> Life goals, hashtag. Um, and second of all, she also went through some personal uh, things that um, affected her. But she is the poster child of positivity. And she reminded me of some of the basic things that we can do to feel positive, to feel connected. Um, we talked about how comparison sometimes is a thief of joy. We talked about you have to have a commitment to surrendering. And that is one of the things that um, I was, I was uh, really struggling with, right? I was feeling not good, but I didn't want to see it. I was just kind of going through the motions and then I was buffering my feelings, uh, going back to using food to numb some of the feelings that I had and some of the, you know, discomfort that I was going through. Yeah. And, and you've been super busy also, even working so hard and food is a way to buffer and you can kind of do that on autopilot. Right. And, and that's why it's important to make sure that, you know, this mindfulness practice is something that you adhere to. And for me, mindfulness has helped me uh, be more aware when I'm feeling stress and discomfort. And, and, you know, you use the word busy. You've been really busy. And that's not a word I like to use, um, especially because I think that people wear that word as a badge of honor. And I've talked about this with a couple other brilliant people um, in in we have to aim to be productive and people say to me oh i wish i could do everything you do or i have friends that have said to me oh do you think you can squeeze me in you always seem to be busy and it's not that i am busy i am working on being productive but if i if if i you know if a friend wants to see me i prioritize that last weekend we spent time with friends we set thursday night i went out with a girlfriend so it's a matter of really creating the margins and knowing what's important to you, but also figuring out how to prioritize and how to schedule. And this is why I'm hosting my five-day challenge on productivity, the five-day Get Stuff Done Challenge, because people get stuck in being busy and overwhelmed and don't realize that they can be productive, accomplish things, get rid of the things that don't serve them, and not feel like you know they're the slave to their calendar and to other people's priorities well maybe i will attend also well you have no choice you live with me that's true i do live with you <laughs> so actually so other things that you and tracy spoke about actually talked about one cool thing what cool thing she taught herself how to tile I know, right? Because she she did the renovation on her on her grandma's house mm. um, that she lives in. Mm-hmm. So, and you taught yourself how to tile too. You I have something did. in common so with we, her too. We had the same experience here, oh. but I, she also relates that experience in in renovating that house into also uh, she is <clears throat> she analogs it with um, her changing her life and mm. and that's that's a really good oh it's um, so good yeah that's awesome it's so good you she know talks about gratitude yes and you speak about gratitude and it's how important it is to recognize mm-hmm. um gratitude and recognize also how it's important to recognize the things in your life 
that are positive right. that you don't have control over. Because our brain is going to focus on the less than positive things because our brain is wired that way. But by allowing ourselves, it's, it's springtime in Connecticut. Yeah, we have... We have people enjoying their motorcycles outside. It's hmm. basically... Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> See, our brain immediately goes to the negative, but good for them. They're out enjoying They're, the beautiful day. They got day. the wind in their hair Perfect. and the bugs in their teeth. And I am grateful that we have a beautiful home and that it's springtime. And Dan is not going to edit them out. He's gonna, letting them I'm happen. I'm leaving them in. I'm going to let it breathe. Let it breathe. Normally, right. I take care of it, but it's going to go there. It is going to go there. Now, one, sure. now one important uh, topic that is spoken about is is um, infertility. And this is something where in, I've, I've been married before, and you know that. And part of the point of being married is to have children. Mm. Now, I was married for 17 years, and we were never able to have children. And even though that was something I really, truly wanted, and... Uh, she, um, my former wife, she couldn't get pregnant for medical reasons. And when we, we were divorced, and she had worked towards um, getting those reasons fixed during our marriage, and we were divorced, and I moved on and became single. And one day she calls me and tells me that she's pregnant. Um, pregnant with her, her new boyfriend, which uh, with her new husband. Sorry, and um, I was I was very very happy for her. So, uh, but it left that that hole. You know, we had tried for so long, and and then me and Julie were married, and and I I don't know how much you want to share, but Julie had some issues. Mm. And that required um, just a few years ago for her to have a, hysteres a hysterectomy. So it wasn't in our Cards. in our future to mm. to have children. So at you know I'm going to be fifty this year, and it's important to that I've that I've grieved that I'm not going to have children, and and that's fine. For we still could have children. We, we could still, adopt. Yeah, we still could adopt and stuff, but there won't be that. And Julie talks about it, about mm. one thing, one conversation we had. And uh, we know we're not going to have children that are our blood. Um, and But that's an emotion that you have to uh, face head on, especially as a couple. Well, and I think that during Mother's Day, that's typically something that even for the past few years, I mean, I, I found myself... In the nine years that we've been married, they have been some Mother's Day that I was becoming bitter because I think that everybody forgets that there are some of us who maybe was not a possibility. And I, I was feeling, and it's not because people were making me feel this way, but I was making me feel this way by the thoughts I was having. I began to think that you know, that I was less than and that I didn't measure up because I didn't hold the title of mother. And I, I, I started to become bitter toward the world because I felt that that was what the world was telling me. 
And I, like we talked about in what I said, right, the comparison is the thief of joy. And I realized soon that I have the privilege and the gift of doing for others things that sometimes people are not able to do. And that although I am not a biological mother, I can't be not only to my dogs, obviously, but I, I am a mom in some ways, and I'm hoping that I can create an example of love and possibility and inspiration for my nieces and nephews and maybe other youngins out there. Hmm. So It's a good perspective to have. It's a perspective that I work on building. I am not perfect at it. I think that this is, again, you know, this is what Byron Katie talks about being about the work. And I don't know if anybody's familiar with Byron Katie, but Byron Katie is someone who I, I love. And I've started to go back and read a lot of her stuff as well, um, because it helps me in this whole journey. All right. So I think we have spoken enough. Oh, we've spoken too much already. We've spoken too much. Wow, twenty something minutes. That's a dang. Lot. Hmm. So maybe I'll put a uh, marker in here so you can just skip over our blathering banter and go right to Tracy Kessler <laughs> 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 and Julie, of course. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this. I hope there's something in here that brings you perspective, and Julie. Well, and for those of you who are starting the challenge, the five-day challenge tomorrow, I cannot wait to spend five days talking about how to get stuff done. And in the meantime, stuff, because you don't want me to say the mm. stuff done. Yeah. In the meanwhile, go confidently and enjoy Tracy and Julie. Thank you again for coming to Casa the Confidence. Thank you so much for asking me. It's such a pleasure to have come across you and what an inspiration you have been every time I watch your videos or see any of your posts. And I thought, oh my gosh, I need to have her on the podcast. So welcome again. Thank I appreciate you, you being Thank here. You. I was listening to your uh, episode one last night and hearing a, a couple of things that I could see we would we would connect on. Oh, great, sure. great. Well, thank you for listening. You for I so listening. appreciate yeah. you. So I am going to have you introduce yourself. And again, welcome to Casa the Confidence, Tracy Kessler. Hi, well, I'm Tracy Kessler, and I am in a period of growth. I usually introduce myself Ooh. as an event producer, but I have spent the year of 2020 recognizing that I am so very many things, um, especially because the title of event producer was sort of stripped away thanks to the pandemic. So it's been a year of growth and discovery for me, which has really kind of been an amazing gift. Well, I think that gifts, when it, they come and they're not expected and they are a little different from what we were looking for, tend yeah. to throw us off into out of kilter. But I, yeah. I, and knowing your story and seeing all the things that you've been going through and, uh, and, and going forward into, I am excited yeah. that in the future you have some very exciting things that are going to be coming to pass because of the things that you've been doing now. But I would love yeah. for you to tell us a little bit about 
Um, you and you say you're an event an event producer, but tell us yeah, more. So, I can read your bio, but I would love for you to tell us about no, I would where you've been you and what I, you have you been doing. Um, one of the things that has some continuity in my story is that I have always followed this very strong feeling in my gut of what is the right thing for me at that particular time. I graduated and I went into corporate America. And now, of course, in hindsight, I always laugh. I had this cushy job that I worked from eight to four and what I would do to have those hours now. Um, But I really wasn't, I was moving up very quickly in the company, but I wasn't intrinsically fulfilled from it. I kept looking at sort of the vice president and the president going, it's probably only a matter of years before I'm in that position, but am I going to be happy in that position? And I could recognize, even though I was very young in my career, that that wasn't going to, that wasn't the way I wanted to go. So what I did was I actually started volunteering at a multitude of different things. I, I spread myself wide. I did, you know, tutoring kids in New York City. I worked at the Revlon Runwalk for Women, which is a 5K race that raises money for breast cancers. I did, I worked at a soup kitchen. I did like a lot of different things. And what came out of that self journey was this Revlon Runwalk for Women. I became their most valuable, let's say volunteer, most consistent volunteer at the very least. And so then I became the head of all the volunteers and I started, and then I, so I I honed down where I was spending my time and I went there once a week on my lunch hour and I did everything from count donations that came in to answering the phone, to organizing the other volunteers. And I kind of made myself invaluable. And I recognized that this was something that I was passionate about. So I quit my corporate job. I took a huge pay cut The company I moved to had no benefits, no nothing. Everyone in my life said, oh my God, you're crazy. What are you doing? (laughs) And I just said, listen, I know this is right. I know this is right. And the money will come. And so I started my event career in the year 2000 with this other production company. And as it turned out, they decided to start a music festival in New Orleans while I was with the company. And music is a passion of mine. And it was a perfect fit. And so I helped them develop that festival. And what I also did was I took my corporate experience and I kind of fixed some of the things that I saw that was not operating very properly. Um, Company morale was down because everybody was doing everything. And I kind of could see since I was an outsider, why are you all doing the same thing? Like you're not moving the ship forward as fast as you could if you kind of divided and conquered. And then I also fixed the fact that we weren't being offered benefits. I kind of, you know, after I had gotten a foothold in the company, I said, like, this is not right. We need Mm. to treat these people, including myself, who are working very hard to reach these goals and help others. We need to give them proper, you know, health insurance. So I kind of took on this very sort of leadership role um, and eventually became the vice president of that company and was managing all the staff and and all the events and everything and decided, I think I could run my own company. So I left there in 2005 and I started my events company called TK New York. And I am very passionate about producing events. Uh, I am very good at it. And for the longest time, that is how I introduced myself. And that's how, what I started with. I started with, hi, I'm Tracy Kessler. I'm an event producer. 
Um, and something that happened very interestingly this year is that because I produce live large scale events that got taken away from me. So we'll get back to that, but that's a very important piece into me really diving headfirst into what I'm doing now. Um, but along the way, I got sober. In 2010, I had an aha moment. I realized that the happiness that I was chasing was not going to come the way I was chasing it, which was filling it, filling the, the hole in my heart with alcohol. And uh, I was forced to really look at myself in the mirror. And, um, you know, my story involves suicidal thoughts. And I mean, no one, no one would have known. No one mm-hmm. would have known. From the outside, I had a penthouse apartment on Central Park West. I had this flourishing business. I had all these friends, you know, I mean, I just had what looked like the life, but internally I was just suffering. I just was chasing this happiness that I couldn't seem to catch. And when I entered in sobriety and I, you know, when I tell my sober story, I always say, I don't recommend the way I did it because I kind of went in kicking and screaming and again, trying to control everything. You know, I kept saying, I'm doing it on my terms, which don't recommend, Mm -hmm. but it was my path. And you know, when I finally surrendered and for me, the spiritual side of being in recovery is so instrumental in the peace that I have right now. And, you know, some people get a little bit scared about the fact that I call my higher power God, but I didn't call him God when I first came in. So I really, I I make a point of, of mentioning that because I don't want to limit my message to one group of people. I think it's whatever you can recognize is bigger than you is where Mm. you can find that spiritual connection, you know, your higher power. And since 2010, I've been developing that connection with my higher power through the 12 steps of AA, through being of service to others, which is a huge part. I, every day I give away the gift that I was given to someone else. And that is a huge part of me keeping the peace that I have in my heart. And you know, the, the, what does they say? The rubber met the road (laughs) in in 2017, because, you know, one of the things that, that got me to that point of desperation when I was drinking was that I couldn't seem to have a healthy relationship. Right. And I was so hyper-focused on not having a healthy relationship. Why couldn't I get married? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 35, what's going on. And I couldn't see all of the wonderful things I had in my life, like a gratitude list. I don't think I'd ever even heard of that Mm -hmm. until I got into sobriety. And when I was sober, I met a man in the rooms of AA with me and, you know, myself and everyone included in my life was like, oh my gosh, here it is. She's finally going to find her relationship. And I had done so much spiritual work that I I recognized that this wasn't the end all be all. This wasn't going to fill the hole in my heart because I had already filled it with my God, but it was nice to have it. Right. And it was nice to finally achieve that goal because I'd achieved so many of my goals. And he was very, very involved in my family, very close to us. We dated for about four years and I, I really don't get into the details, but what's important is as it turns out, I found out uh, almost like six months to the day that he was a sociopath. Mm. He had been lying about everything, everything from the beginning. 
And um, to be honest, despite finding out some pretty horrible things that had been going on, I still was like, I want to work through this. I mean, we've only been married six months. I, I just, I've waited my whole life. I, I didn't make this decision lightly. lightly. Um, you know, I really, to be honest, I was one of those people that was like, I don't believe in divorce, which I don't, I, I now do understand that there are circumstances that warrant it. Um, and I, and we, and I worked on it for a while until I realized that some people are sick and suffering and, and it was not safe. Mm. It was not safe for me to stay. What a journey. What a, what a journey. It was insane, but I have to say that, and most people who are not spiritually connected will not understand this statement, but I am grateful for all of that Mm. because that cemented my relationship with my God. It was the moment where I had to put my money where my mouth was. It was like, are you going to implement everything that you've learned? Are you going to trust him? Are you going to say, I cannot do this alone. Please take this from me. Please let me trust you. All I have to do is wake up every day and trust that you're going to take care of me because for the life of me, I cannot figure out why is this is happening. So I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to trust that you will take care of me and that you have a greater plan for me than I could ever imagine. And I'm going to trust you. And here I am, you know, four years later. And I have a very peaceful, happy life. And it's funny, I was in an AA meeting on Saturday and I was almost shouting. I was so excited to say, I live in peace and I have none of the things I thought I would have. I don't have a husband. I don't have the kids I so desperately want. I don't currently have a career because thanks to the pandemic, it took it from me. You know what? I have peace each and every day because I have faith that happiness is found in the in-between. Oh, so good. You know, there's so many women, and I think that um, one of the things that, again, I, I, I resonate with a lot, of, a lot of what you said, but one of the things that you said is that you don't have the things that you thought you wanted. And I, um, to, to find that happiness and peace. And I totally, I have been there. I, I was at a point in my early to mid twenties when all of my friends were getting married and I never really wanted to get married, but then all of a sudden I kept thinking, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe there's something, um, that is not working. And, I ended up, um, you know, I was in a relationship for five years and then I got married with this guy and we were married for 10. So we were together 15 and I thought I had it all. I lived in Upper West Side, Central Park, 72nd, right? I lived in this beautiful apartment in New York City. I had a wonderful job. I was very successful at my job and all of these things that should from the outside say you're successful, you have it all, you travel all over the world. And it wasn't filling my heart, my bucket, and I was still looking to become something to be loved. And I was looking to be something I wasn't because I, 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 I needed that. So, you know, it was something that it was definitely um, really heavy on my heart. I, I totally identify with what you're saying. One of the things that I love that you said is that surrender. 
is something that you found. What was the journey to surrender? surrender? Well, like I said, I really dug my heels in. <laughs> it, took, <laughs> it took a while. And I, and I do believe that continuous surrender is part of the answer to finding peace because, you know, I, I thought I surrendered back in 2011 or in early sobriety, you know, a, a series of work being done with my sponsor where I said, you know what, you're right. I can't control this. I can't control these feelings. Mm-hmm. I can't control. I need to learn how to live life with all of these circumstances still happening and yet finding peace anyway. So I surrendered to the program. I surrendered to my sponsor. I surrendered to God. But then when the divorce happened, I would, what I just explained was a surrender. Right. I mean, I was a very independent woman who could do everything for herself and frankly kind of had this weird sort of chip on her shoulder of like, if anyone tried to help me with anything, I was offended. How dare you think I can't do this myself? And it was the first time in my life that I said, oh, I cannot do this by myself. Like if I try to live through this right now, I I won't make it without the help of friends and family. And for the first time in my life, I, I literally put out like a beacon to everyone saying, whatever you can do to support me right now, I will take it. If that's sleeping over my house because I'm scared to be alone, if that's calling me every morning, if that's taking me to meetings with you, like whatever that is, I need you. And my support network came under me like a net. Mm. I mean, I vision, I'm very big at visualization. So I literally felt them come under me like a net and they carried me until I could carry myself. And, and I'll say about surrender, I am continually surrendering every day. You know, I mentioned children. I have been trying to have a baby for the last three years by myself and I keep hitting road bump after road bump after road bump. I mean, five days before we were told to go into quarantine, I was told that my eggs are no longer viable Mm. and I needed to make a decision if I was going to use an egg donor or adoption. And, you know, I mean, it has just been one surrender after another. And, and I realized that potentially through all of this, my surrender has, has kind of always had like a little like it was more like playing poker. I was like, okay, God, I'll take this circumstance, but you give me that one. Right, instead, right. You know? And that was really eye-opening. I'm, I just made that realization in the last couple of months. And I realized, okay, that's not really surrendering. <laughs> so I think that surrendering is something that you have to wake up every day and, and commit to. Commitment to surrender. I, I I need to write this down, and I think that this is something that you should um, really, you know, continue to hang on to because so many people don't realize that when you surrender, especially to God, a higher power. And I'm a spiritual person. And I but my faith has always had a prominent place in my life for the most part, and um, I think that we forget that you know in 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 the thing is when you want to surrender to to God and to what maybe he has in store for you you have to give up control and yeah. giving up control sometimes is being in that messy middle that sort of is like that quicksand in 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 quicksand if you're trying to control and move and pull yourself out you're not yeah. going yeah. to you're going to sink deeper so it's really being able to say, okay, I'm still 
and and then you're able to pull yourself out that way or yes. that yeah. higher or power pulls you. Out. Yeah, he pulls yeah. you. So I, yeah. I think that that's a very, very um, deep and, and, and I love this conversation. I, I think that, um, you know, so many women struggle with the role that they think they want, whether they get it or not. And then yeah. they feel guilty when maybe they get what they were after and they're not happy or satisfied. Did yeah. you find a little bit of that in your journey as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think back now to, I always say, I believe that God was throwing pebbles at my window. Mm through the majority of my relationship. And I didn't want to hear it. I didn't, I was like, Nope, I don't know what that sound is. Go away. I'm going to do this. I'm we're going to, I don't want to hear it. And what ended up happening was he had to drive a car through the front door. He had to go like, Tracy, hear me. (laughs) And, you know, and that's, I truly believe that's what happened. I truly believe that God saved me from a lifetime of serious pain and suffering. Um, and he was trying to save me all along and I wanted to be in control. I wanted to be in control. I think that being in control sometimes is what happens to all of us when we feel that we know better. And ultimately I think that, you know, there's so many different things that we don't know that we are not aware of that are happening around us. And, and that is a little bit of where we need to really be able to step back and, and take that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think that you've had such an interesting journey now. You're not living in New York city, correct? No. Now tell me, and and this, this is, I, I, I'm a little jelly where you live because, (laughs) um, I I love it, but tell us where you live and, and, um, you know, so I, what ended up happening was, uh, my ex-husband and I had decided to forego going on a honeymoon and purchase a home and put all of our money into gutting the home. And, and we knew at the time that we were basically like pricing ourselves out because the intention was to live there for 30 years, right. Until we die. (laughs) So, um, we had put a lot of money into this house and as a result of the divorce, we needed to sell it and we sold it at a loss. And so I came out Mm. of the divorce, despite being a successful businesswoman, like penniless basically, and in a ton of debt. And my parents had said to me, why don't you go live in granny's house? Like take, you know, granny's was house was a house that the family had still owned. And my, you know, my sister would use it for vacations or whatever. It's about a hundred yards from the beach. Um, and it's about a mile and a half from my parents' house. And it was very dark and all this really dark, knotty pine. And I remember saying, and like really outdated. And I remember going like, oh God, I don't want to live in Granny's house. (laughs) And, um, but I said to them, would you mind if I fix it up? Would you mind if I just kind of make it my style, which they had seen. I, I, I've always been really big into home decor. So every apartment I've lived in, I've like really put a lot of time and, and design into it and everything. So they said, sure. And what, what ended up happening was as I was, and I had to do all the work myself because I didn't have a lot of money. So I would, you know, go buy my materials and I taught myself how to cut tile and I taught myself how to do all these things, furnish cabinets and all this stuff. And I, and I slowly, but surely fixed up the house to be a bright, happy, warm and loving home. Mm. 
And while I was doing that, what I didn't realize was happening was that I was slowly repairing my heart and soul to become a warm, happy, loving home mm. within my heart. And they really were parallel. And that ultimately that experience is sort of how it began the journey to where I am now, because I started cataloging on my Instagram, which I had originally started to simply show like, here's my DIY renovation. Um, I started cataloging what I was feeling as I was doing these renovations and as I was spending more time here. And to be honest with you, my intent was, even though I was putting a lot of time into fixing the house, my intent was save money, get what you need to get back on your feet, move back to where you were before. I loved mm-hmm. where I was. I really did love my life where I was before and, you know, and, and buy something close to where you were before. And what happened was I was on the boat one day. So my dad, my parents, I mentioned my parents live about a mile and a half away. Mm-hmm. My dad needed to get something fixed on the boat or something. I, I can't remember what it was, but he said, Hey, why don't I pick you up? We're good. You come with me and we'll go to lunch on the boat. And we're, it was a Wednesday in September or something. And I remember patting him on the back going, pop, you live the life, man. You get to go out to lunch on the boat in the middle of the week. And I stopped and I was like, you live the life, Tracy. You are on this boat right now. You are going to lunch right now. This is your life if you want it. It was such a moment of awareness that I had the choice to continue to live here. And there was a lot of difficulty. I was still running a Manhattan-based business. You know, I kind of had to figure out how do I live three hours outside New York city and run a business? And people don't <laughs> you know? realize that being in the Hamptons is not necessarily being right around the corner from New York city, even though, oh, you no, know, people make it sound and, like it and, might be. And let me tell you, so actually the Hamptons are across from where I am. So long Island has two forks. I'm mm-hmm. on the North fork and the Hamptons is on the South fork, that, Right, but it's the same distance. And, um, you know, three hours, it was a lot, but I, you know, I used, I leveraged the relationships that I had. My employees, I have really great relationships with them. My clients, I have really great relationships with because of the kindness that I use to run my <laughs> business, which is sort of my my new platform. Um, and they all were like, we want you to be happy, Trace. We'll make it work. You know what? Yeah. So you come in every other week and, you know, everybody kind of, we've made a new plan and and it worked. And, and so I've committed to basically living where I would have retired (laughs) now at 45. And, you know, I'm, I'm just pursuing different things out here now while still having a little bit of a foot in the city, but really this is, this is now my life out here. And, and I'm very happy. Yeah. One of the things that you, and you share this in your, in in your social, and and it's something that I, I heard you say, but and one of the reasons that it really resonated when I left my marriage and I, it was not a happy point at that moment. I, um, <clears throat> I remember I left, I moved out with my clothes and mm. a couch and my dresser. That's all. Uh, uh, the dresser is an antique dresser that I purchased that I, I fell in love with. And the couch is something my mom had bought us. So I, um, 
I, I moved into this apartment. It was a beautiful, sunny apartment in Brooklyn, which I cried the whole way out of Manhattan because I did not want to be a bridge and tunnel girl. And you know that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I cried and I thought, okay, but I'm going to be close to work. And eventually I'll just go back to Manhattan. I need to just get my myself together. And when I did that, um, that apartment became everything that I put into the apartment. It became mm-hmm. a place of healing and in reconstructing who I was. And the space was me, the space just um, people that actually came to visit would say, um, wow, this looks like you. This is totally you. And I, I really felt that I was rediscovering who I was and what my heart needed as well. So that, that was something that was very important to me and yeah. redefining and, and certainly that was sort of the bridge to where I am today. Not in Manhattan. <laughs> I am in Connecticut. In England, right? I'm in Connecticut. Yeah, okay. So I, I, um, I started a relationship, I guess a year after I divorced with someone that I've known for a long time. We were friends for a long time and he was very kind. He had gone through a, a painful divorce and he, he said, you know, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what you're going through. The the and and you know obviously there are a lot of different things in there, and that friendship just blossomed. And until one day he's like, "Hey, you want to go for a Yankee Red Sox game?" And I'm like, "What with you?" He's like, "Yeah, like a date." I'm like, "With you?" <laughs> and here we are, married, and yep. our Wednesday is going to be our ninth anniversary, which I cannot oh, believe that I've actually gosh. been out of New York that long, and not really because I was working in New York City. All these years, yeah. and I would get to go in and whatnot. But uh, it's definitely been a journey. So I I really love the fact that, um, you know, you, you've sort of taken this journey from where you thought you wanted to be, and now you're, you're living the life. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that maybe where they are, it's where they intended to be or where they are meant to be. What advice yeah. would you give to someone who maybe is in that journey? Well, I think the one thing that we know is a constant is change. Mm -hmm. And the more you resist the change, the more pain you feel, right? I mean, if you can kind of lean into the change. And I think for me too, the divorce was a moment of real self-realization to decide how am I going to handle this? You know, as I mentioned, we were both in the rooms of AA Mm -hmm. and I easily could have trashed him to everybody and they would have listened. Right. Mm -hmm. But I decided that that wasn't the person I wanted to be. Right. I decided that I was going to handle this with grace and humility. People knew I was upset and I was suffering. Some people didn't even know. I will never forget like several years after um, one of my friends who had been sitting next to me all along, my ex-husband showed up at a meeting and I kind of, you know, froze. And he turns to me and he goes, I didn't even know that's who you were married to (laughs) because I literally did not speak of what happened. Mm. I spoke about how I felt. Right. I spoke about my journey of getting through this and what I needed from everyone else. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was really, that was really important in, in the growth and getting through the change in a way that made it positive. And I also think that, um, you know, something while I'm even talking and I'm hearing myself tell the story is that it's very difficult when someone has sort of wronged you or a situation has turned out not the way that you want 
to look at your side of it. So, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of people would listen to me talking and going like, no, you do not take any responsibility about this. Like what happened to you is, you know, his fault. And yes, I do not take responsibility for how I was treated, but I take responsibility for like what I mentioned before that maybe God was sending me signals Mm -hmm. all along and I didn't want to hear it because I had my own vision of what I wanted. Right. Right. So back to change of how you get through change. I think developing that connection with your higher power really, it helps you hear. And, and what I generally will know now, if I'm feeling like that, mm, something feels wrong about anything, I can, I can identify that my channel is clogged. Right. My channel is clogged. I actually verbalize it a lot to say like, I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> and, and I have tools now. And this right. is what I, cha- this is what I share on my social media. As you've seen, right. I share the tools that I use to clear the channel. And sometimes the same tools don't always work. So I've got a whole toolbox that I've been building since 2010 to go back to, to say, okay, if this isn't working today, what is going to work? You know, I shared just yesterday on social media that I woke up with like extreme anxiety, extreme Mm -hmm. anxiety about some work stuff that I need to do. That's really kind of tied to like my old goals. Mm -hmm. And I want to focus on my new goals, but something has to pay the bills. Right. So we got it. There's like a happy medium here. And I tried all the things I meditated. I prayed. I I watched church. I ate a healthy meal. I went out for a walk. I did all the things. And then I realized that maybe the thing I need to do today is just sit with it. Mm -hmm. Maybe today I just need to say, I have some anxiety. I see you. Welcome to the table. Anxiety. You're not going to stay for very long. Mm -hmm. I see you. I'm going to get to the root of where you're coming from. And then I'm going to ask you to leave. Yeah. And I find that sometimes that's actually what we need to do. And that's when the change comes because yeah, and, you do the work. And most people are so afraid of that anxious feeling that they try to yeah. walk away from it. And they, and, and I've done it and, and certainly I've been there and it wasn't until I started to learn that this is, what are you feeling today? Yes. And, and, you know, like the, the book, um, and I talk about this on the podcast, the, the book, um, The Untethered Soul, where, where he talks about saying hello in there. And, and yeah. that's part of sometimes I need to just say, hey, Julie, what are you feeling? What's going on? Can I show you what is literally on my wall right here? This. Oh, this I love my- it. I love it. <laughs> it literally sits on my wall uh, right above my computer. Yeah, feel that your feelings. Reminder. It's a great reminder. I, I have throughout, um, I, I am, I'm big on that. I have things that remind me and have the little phrases. You know, for instance, never, 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 never give up. Um, of course, I used to have a sign that says no drinking during working hours, but I changed that one. <laughs> Um, and, and, and little things like that. I think, uh, the toolbox is something that we all need to really be aware that we have. I love how you started to incorporate gratitude into your life. If somebody was looking to maybe find how to incorporate or begin or practice gratitude, what would you advise them? Well, what I say is I think sometimes people feel overwhelmed by the idea that there has to be this moment you're going to sit down for a half hour and write a list. And that is sometimes the process that people use. Mm -hmm. And you might get to that point. Mm -hmm. But I think creating a gratitude list can be as simple as 
as you're going throughout your day, recognizing this is making me happy right now. What I'm doing right now, that bird outside the window, hearing Mm -hmm. that, that just made me happy. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. You know, if you can kind of go through your day doing that, that's the first step in my mind. And then you can get to that point where maybe every night, then you write down what were all the things throughout the day Mm -hmm. that I said I was grateful for. Let's write those down, you know, and, and I really like to start my day with it. Um, one of the tricks that we use in recovery for people in early recovery is to actually text that list in the morning Mm. to three other sober women, because it forces you to write it. The other women are going to say like, Hey, I never got your gratitude list. Yeah. Accountability. Just just three things in the morning. And, and, you know, it's funny yesterday I was feeling a bit overwhelmed and just, I, I, I don't know, you know, specifically, I can't pinpoint what's going on. So I've been journaling, but I, I decided, you know what, I need to just connect to, to that feeling of gratitude. And I have in multiple places in my house, I have jars in which I may write something that I'm grateful for. And there's one that I have in my new Zenden that we renovated over the summer um, and it's my happy place, but it's my cold place because it's a three season porch. Um, okay. so yesterday I went upstairs and I have a little box that after my dad passed, I actually would write things that I was grateful for just to remind myself to, to, I was alive and there were great things still happening despite the grief that I was going through. And it really connected me to open that that little box of gratitude pieces of paper from five years ago and reconnect to those feelings and I think that gratitude is something that can um, propel you and it really helps to rewire your brain um yes well I think it's really important too because for me in my experience like I mentioned in the beginning the happiness is found in the in-between oh, so if you hate if you base your happiness on the big life moments, Mm -hmm. you're not going to, you're not going to have that everyday happiness. You really need to be able to find the happiness in the bird chirping, the happiness in a warm (laughs) shower in the morning, you know, the happiness of just, I woke up today and today's another day to get closer to the big life things. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you base your happiness on the big life things, then you're going to constantly be in a state of waiting for the happiness to get there when the happiness is actually with you every day. But you have to recognize that. Absolutely. And And, and it's funny now that you say that, I I think back of, you know, I was married for 10 years living in New York City and I was in this uh, state of, I, I don't think I ever had this like, moment of you know intense happiness in that marriage i had moments that were nice and and i and i kept saying you know what when we go on that next big trip when we do this when this happens and i was looking at these pinnacle moments to bring me that happiness but i think that there were so many other moments that in the in between that i could have really tried to uh, find some happiness actually one of the things that did bring me a lot of joy um in that in those moments but i think that it was just a, a moment of trying to um 
be be in the solitude of what I was feeling is I used to go on to Central Park on Saturdays to listen to the guitar man. And, I, you know, okay. I, so I think you know who I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. And I, I would just sit yeah. and I just it was that I love Central Park is one of my favorite places. You know, when I die, when my ashes scatter there, <laughs> it might be illegal, but that's where you'll yeah. find me. Um, Nobody's paying attention. <laughs> that's right. It's whoever whoever gets the to do that, they'll just. You know, they might have to get in trouble on my behalf. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, Tracy, who inspires you? My sister. My sister is so inspiring, and she doesn't even know she her whole life since her kids were born. So she's got a ten-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a four-year-old. She has made a point of making sure that I see them at least every two weeks, if Mm. not more. Right. And I am so incredibly close to these children. I'm like their second mother. And I really know that that was because she played, she placed that importance on it. It wasn't that it wasn't important to me, but the fact that she valued the relationship that we had growing up and she wanted her children to have that with me, she's just constantly placing family and the love that the family has. I just watching her raise her children and how she's raising them, especially in today's times is just so inspiring to me. So inspiring to me. I just, Mm. I really admire her. I think that that's amazing. We have to have these people that totally inspire you, inspire you. And as an aunt myself, I I can appreciate the relationship that you have with them. I think that, uh, you know, for me, motherhood and, you know, I'm not even going to go into it because I talked about it before in the podcast, but motherhood was something I never wanted. And then I wanted it when I married Dan, my husband, and then it was elusive, right? I was a little too old yeah. and I had to come to grieve, to, to grieve in grips with that may not be in the cards for me, but um, certainly being an aunt. And for me, I have found that, um, I am in the right place because I am doing the things that I love and I'm passionate about. And it still allows me the time to be that, not replacing their mother, but really giving them the love that maybe their their parents are able to give them. And I'm giving it to them in a different way. I also get to spoil and say yes when their parents say no, which I enjoy <laughs> thoroughly. <laughs> well, I'm glad to mention the grieving part because I feel like that is... I think that people don't recognize that you need to grieve certain Mm. things. I mean, for me, my marriage, I had to grieve the idea that I wasn't going to have this perfect, you know, even though it happened late for me, it was like, oh, I finally got the the husband in the house and now we're going to have the children. And then, and I had to grieve that that life that I thought I was going to have was over. And, you know, I'm still pursuing trying to have a baby. I'm (laughs) doing the egg donor process and again and again and again. Um, but I am, you know, I am looking at it. uh, Every step of the way has been a grieving process Mm -hmm. and it has actually forced me to not only realize that I am a parent in a way to those children, to my niece and nephews, Mm -hmm. I am a parent to all of the people that I have brought up in my company and taught them the way to act in business and how to do the things that we do and, and to move forward in their careers. And there are opportunities all around us to parent. So even if this continues to elude me, that I can still have that effect. I can still, I can still say that I parented 
someone and people as I went through my life, you know, maybe not in the way that I wanted, but again, I think it, in the surrender, the hap, you know, the peace is found in the surrender. Yeah. And the surrender sometimes, you know, and like we've talked about, it's something that um, you have to do in multiple levels. And it's funny because even last night we were having some conversation with Dan and um, he said something to the effect, oh, we were watching some HGTV show. And he said, you know, I wonder if um, if you and I would have had kids, you know, what if they're like their eyes probably would have been brown. He has blue eyes. I have brown eyes. And and then like I remember thinking to myself, huh. That's that's not possible ever, ever now, especially now, because I had a hysterectomy. So now that's like done. And and it was, again, having to go back to that surrender when I first heard, no, you can't have children. OK, you have to try. And we and we did some and started to pursue um, IVF and and that didn't happen and didn't work out. And then all multiple steps. It has always having to be surrendering to that idea. And sometimes it's fine and sometimes it's like oh okay i gotta surrender again um but it's a journey and that's what life is about and again and again and again and i think that this is something that um builds you up and you have to be okay because the person that you become when you surrender is the person that you are meant to be absolutely absolutely i was just having a conversation with someone uh before we hopped on saying that i truly believe that god puts obstacles in our path, whether that obstacle is a person, place, or thing, but God puts obstacles in our path specifically to work on character defects that we haven't fully <laughs> surrendered on. So right? true. So, so true. If, if there's someone or something that's bothering you or causing you pain, spiritually, physical, or whatever, then that's likely something that you need to work on yourself. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to looking at your part Agreed. in things, you know? Agreed. And I think that this is, you know, and if you look at all of the things that maybe the people that are around in your life, things that really get to you are the things that remind you of, and you have, and, and, you know, you have the deep sense that that's not right. I don't like that, but really you'll find it in yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. People are mirroring to us those things that are deeply troublesome in some ways. And the quicker you can identify mm-hmm. that, the quicker you can get past it. I literally just was like, oh, I don't like that person. And then I was like, wait, why don't I like that person? Right. What am I seeing in what myself see? in mm-hmm. them? That, I mean, immediately I'm able to say that. As soon as I hear that thought come into my head, I go, oh, wait, what are they showing me that I'm actually looking in a mirror right now? And usually, you know, the faster you can get through that, but that goes back to building your toolkit. And I, you know, uh, in, in terms of recovery, so often people say like, but you're fine now. Why do you have to go to meetings? You know, and it's the same thing with people, you know, with therapy, if you to continue going while things are good and having that support network, however you find it, because you need to build the foundation of your home. So when it gets knocked over, whether that's a divorce, uh, you know, failed IVF, uh, losing your job, no matter what it is, you're going to, your building is going to keep getting knocked over. If you have the foundation, you can keep building it back up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, even now when I work with clients, people are like, oh, what does she need you for? Isn't she doing great? Uh, Yeah, she's doing great. That's probably why, because there's times in which maybe she'll second guess herself. Maybe something happens in her business. And even though things are going great, she needs to have someone. I don't tell her what to do. I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach. I ask her the questions that get her to get to the answers that build that toolbox for herself. So yeah. it's so important. Um, are you confident? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, mostly, mostly. <laughs> I would say if you asked someone else, is Tracy Kessler confident? They would say 1000%. Um, I know the truth because I know what's happening up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm about 80% confident. I have that deep rooted security, insecurity that I had when I was a child mm. of just never. I mean, I, I always say like, I, I got excellent grades. I was the captain of cheerleading. I was in the all state choir. I used to make up routines and go to nursing homes and dance for the, I mean, you know, I was like the perfect little resume and yet I never felt cool. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I, and, and that's really why my drinking began because I was right. chasing this feeling of feeling enough. And, um, you know, as we know now, no outside person or thing was going to give me that feeling. I had to find it inside. So I, because I'm aware of that, I feel when my confidence level goes down and I, and I use my toolbox to kind mm-hmm. of face it. Um, and recently, you know, right now, I find myself going, you know, clubhouse. I know you were, we're both on clubhouse and I, and I'm going in all these rooms that are so amazing with all of these really powerful people talking about their stuff. And, and there's a tendency to have that comparison, right? Mm-hmm. You know, comparison is the thief of joy. And all of a sudden I'll hear myself go like, I can't do this. These people, they like so buttoned up and I can't just, I'm just telling my story. I don't know how to do it. Like they're doing it. And then I go, stop, you're you. They're not you. You're the only one who's you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's the one thing that I, I totally feel the same way. I know that as soon as I start to compare and despair, that I need to just regroup myself and say, truly come back to the spot, come back to that. The, the, I love you saying that comparison is the thief of joy. Here's the other thing too, that I, I've been exploring you know, with, with clients lately, we've been talking a lot about that um, imposter syndrome. And mm-hmm. many of the women that I, I've been working with tend to be very similar to myself, who high achievers. High achievers are high achievers, but we suffer from that imposter syndrome, which most people will tend to say, well, that's crazy. I'm a high achiever. I'm going out. But the reason you're trying to achieve is because you want to measure up. And that initial feeling of not being enough is the one that's propelling you. So it's something to definitely consider. And if someone had said that to me, I don't know, many years back, I would have argued with them. So I, I want to challenge people who are high achievers to start to wonder where is that coming from and what, what void are you trying to fill and know that nothing and anything won't fill that void until you really find that higher power. And and again, not trying to be religious or, you know, tell people to believe what they need to believe, but really there's more find what that more is. And then you will find that love and satisfaction that your heart craves. 
Well, I also think in terms of the imposter syndrome and this high achieving notion, I think that remembering that you are enough mm-hmm. and where you are is enough and what you're doing is enough. And you are exactly where you are supposed to be yeah. at this moment, right? I mean, I have this to-do list of a thousand things that I want to do to continue to move this goal forward. And you get caught up in these clubhouse rooms or wherever going like, oh my God, I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go like, I'm doing what I can and it is yeah. enough. It is enough. It is and enough. it's exactly where I'm supposed to be today. Yeah. So you have a motto and it's kindness grows here. Yes. Yes. I, I love it's that you funny have how that. that actually came to become, come to fruition because I was working with a, a, a Etsy maker that I met on Instagram and she makes these adorable terracotta pots. Mm-hmm. Um, she calls them punny pots and mm-hmm. she has all these puns on them. And she said, I'd love to send you one. Would you like one of the ones I already have? Or would you like your own saying on it? And I said, oh, I think I'd like my own saying, but I don't know what it is yet. Let me think about it. <laughs> and it was during 2020 and it was during, you know, the height of Black Lives Matter and everything and I, and, and the election and everything. And I just, I just kept saying like, above all else, we have to be kind to each kind, other. Yeah, above all else have to be kind to each other. If we're not kind to each other, nothing is going to get fixed. Nothing. Agreed. And so I came up, I just came up with, I was like, oh, since hers was a a pot, I was (laughs) like, what about kindness grows here? And she sent the pot to me and I just love it. And it just made me realize on a wider scale, like kindness grows here. (laughs) And kindness grows in the, in the, in the community I'm building. So if you're interested in growing your kindness throughout the world, then come be a part of our community because kindness grows here. Yeah, I, I agree. My first rule, I I created a club and clubhouse, of course, the Casa of the Confidence. And it said, do you want to set rules? And I'm like, rules? Do I I need to make rules? Because I I tend to not (laughs) like rules. I'm a rule breaker, I think in some ways, but then I thought, oh, wait a minute be kind. I think that's the first thing I want people to know. You can run a room, you can come in, have a discussion, but be kind because you are never going to have people that agree with you a hundred percent, but you don't know what that person is going through and what is happening in their heart and their life. And kindness does matter. And it it should be the first thing that, that people should keep in mind. Um, I could talk to you all day. I think that um, <laughs> it's it's a delightful conversation. You are so inspiring. I love watching you walk the beach. I'm living vicariously through you. I need to hit the ocean. And um, the ocean is one of those places that definitely heals me and gives me so much joy. I, this is the farthest I lived from water. Um, so I, I just, um, I, I drove down to Mystic a couple of weeks okay. ago because I needed to see some water. Um, yes. but I know that I know the feeling. Yeah. I'm, I am, I am always happiest when I can see it, smell it, mm-hmm. hear it. <laughs> I just need to be near it. Yeah, I know. So, and I, I am going to post all your social handles on the podcast so that people can look at your wonderful, well, your Instagram feed is beautiful. Your TikTok's amazing, but your words and everything that you're sharing on the socials and even in Clubhouse is so inspirational and people should connect with you. Uh, Tell people where they can connect with you, Tracy. So on TikTok, it's Ms.TracyKessler. Same with Instagram, Ms.TracyKessler. You can find me on LinkedIn, 
Tracy Kessler, and you can find me, what I say, Instagram, TikTok. I think that's everything. Is and that you everything? said you have an upcoming oh, website. Yes. And yes, I have a website. It's on, it's on that ever growing to-do list, mm-hmm. but it's tracykessler.com. Awesome. So eventually coming right. soon. Well, I, I am so excited. And I think that, you know, you have a wonderful message and I think that your, your support and the work that you are doing to put out this positive message into the world and everything that you're doing is you are creating the biggest event for people. And that's, the event that they're showing up for their lives in the best possible way by the, the work that you're inspiring them to do. So thank you for doing that. And uh, welcome to Casa de Confidence. Thank you so much. I really oh, you're amazing. It. Thank you for joining us. Do you want to connect with Tracy? Join her in these clubhouse rooms, midweek pep talk Wednesdays at 10.30 a.m., Event Bites, Wednesdays at 11.30 a.m., Sisterhood of the Traveling, C.H., Thursday at 11 a.m. in High Performance Habits, Thursday at 6 p.m. This is all Eastern Time. P.S. Tracy loves to share her knowledge with others so you can ask her to speak in your clubhouse rooms too. And connect with her on TikTok and Instagram at ms.tracykessler. Don't forget, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. If you or anyone you know is struggling emotionally, Please go to the show notes and click the resource button if you know someone who needs a little help. Plus, remember, Julie's hosting the five-day Get Stuff Done Challenge for the first time ever. Julie's offering a free training starting Monday, May 10th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, where she will share some of the productivity secrets that she's utilized to create her business. The challenge starts Monday, so you still have time to sign up. You can go to the show notes and register there. Just click the hyperlink for Get Stuff Done Challenge Journal, and you can catch Julie live in the Confident You Facebook group. Each day, you'll learn a valuable lesson. Don't miss this great opportunity. And with that, I bid you adieu. Be kind to one another and go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Hi, everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only purposeful you mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all. But the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the purposeful you mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly 
forward slash Julie's Mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business, push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly. Julie's Mastermind.